You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a playoff edition of the Locked On Crossover we have Locked On Packers. I'm Peter Bukowski. And from Locked On 49ers, Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker. Guys, we are here. It is a rematch of the 2019 NFC Championship game. An opportunity for the 49ers to put their stamp on this rivalry right now. An opportunity for the Packers to get a little bit of revenge. We've got storylines all over the place. How are you guys doing? We're excited. Yeah. You, who would have thought the 49ers would be here? Start the season off 2-4, and four, then 3-5, and five, and all of a sudden... Divisional round playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. Well, you know who thought the 49ers would be here? The Green Bay Packers. Matt LaFleur said on Wednesday that during the bye week, they did extra prep on the 49ers, anticipating them beating the Cowboys. So not only was everyone gambling on the 49ers, but the Packers themselves were like, yeah, we think we think Dallas is a fraud. Uh, In their head. In their head, because that's the team the Packers don't want to face, the 49ers, right? I think that's probably true. I mean, certainly for fans, they would much rather have seen the Rams uh, in this spot, having already beaten the Rams this season. I mean, the Packers beat the 49ers too, but they don't have the same sort of scar tissue, right? So I've been talking about that early week um, matchup between these two teams, the Mason Crosby field goal at the end. There are some things that I think we can take from that, but I, I think there's a lot of ways in which this has changed for San Francisco. What do you think are the biggest differences for the 49ers from that game to now? There are quite a few differences, especially when you know when you look at just the way that the, the roster and the players. You know, when you look at the week three performance, the 49ers, Elijah Mitchell did not play. Debo Samuel, who's now utilized as like this hybrid super player, had zero rushing yards. Arden Key, who's been a big push down the stretch with uh pass rush productivity for the 49ers, he only had three snaps in that game. Uh, Josh Norman and Diamondo Lenore played, and they definitely contributed to kind of letting uh, Devontae Adams get off down the stretch in that game. And Jawan Jennings, who had several key uh, first down catches against the Dallas Cowboys, uh, you know, on third down, he didn't play at all. So there are a lot of, you know, kind of moving pieces that kind of helped the 49ers in a sense. But I know the Packers, they also had some uh, guys out as well. Yeah, I mean, no, no question about it. This team is going to look very different, even than the one that we saw in week 18, which was just two weeks ago. The, the Debo Samuel piece of this is really interesting. And, and Brian and I were talking b- before we jumped on. Brian, can you explain for, for my listeners how this Debo Samuel as running back thing happened? Because this is something that when I look at any matchup, this is the one that I'm most concerned about. Because you put Debo Samuel out. I feel pretty good about the Packers corners as good as you can feel against someone as good as Debo Samuel, right? But Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes played him well the the, the first time these two matched up in in what was Eric Stokes' first start. Um, But he has become this weapon, and the Packers have struggled when you put your receiver in the backfield and let him run routes. They haven't had answers for that. So how did this come to happen? It happened really organically, and 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel recently talked about it, and it, it wasn't planned Obviously, you know, Debo Samuel was a wide receiver last year, especially he was used in a lot of gadgety ways with an injured Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the 49ers were, were really hurt and just finding ways to get the ball in his hands because he's so good after the catch. But 
started handing in the ball a little bit, started, you know, uh, experimenting with, with different formations and, and motioning him into the backfield. And then they started to realize as they gave him the ball as a running back, this guy's pretty good as just a true running back and give it to him more and more. And then you start to realize, holy crap, this guy's actually a legitimate running back, like a pure running back. Debo Samuel would be among the best in the league. I'm convinced of that now that I've seen him run because he is so good. He's got pure vision he's got uh power he's the he would be the heaviest running back on the 49ers at 220 (laughs) pounds too so you know he's built that way and he was always sort of a receiver that was built like a running back and now he's a true hybrid and so they the more they used him the more they realized they could do so it was not something they planned at all but it just kind of happened and the more they give him the better he is with it so it's been pretty phenomenal to watch uh the development of Debo Samuel and and seeing what he can do and really I've, I've I've used the term magic he has this magic ability of finding where to go especially when they get him on the outside to the corner and and being able to get to the edge and using that burst and and using his vision and then running through arm tackles it's been phenomenal so uh he's become one of the best weapons in the NFL yeah, how many you know, receivers has, can you run gap scheme power? You know these these power right. runs with. I mean, it's incredible. And the power runs for him is a little bit newer. That originally they like to keep him a little bit more on the outside. Then teams are like, you know what, you guys are just doing all these tosses with Debo, and he's running around the corner. Well, we're gonna just take that away. So now they started doing this like toss counter to him. So they'll kind of toss it straight back to him, and then he'll cut it back, and he's been picking up yards that way. I think one thing that is interesting, you know, with his usage as a running back, you know, he had eight touchdowns this year. And he averaged over 16 yards per carry on those eight touchdowns. So it's not like he's someone that is, oh, I'm inside the six-yard line and scoring touchdowns. It's like, right. no, like, you know, I'm, he's getting around the 20, 25, 10, wherever it is, and he's scoring from there. And that, that's been intriguing as well. Yeah, the and right- his – his numbers extrapolated out if he uh, – it was Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus put this out there. If he had the same amount of carries with his um, – with his production and his efficiency as Jonathan Taylor did, he would have had 2,100 rushing <laughs> yards this season and 43 touchdowns. <laughs> That's, That's wild. It doesn't, it doesn't quite work like that. As we know with running back, the more hits <laughs> you take, the less efficient you become. But I, they, they seem to have found a, a really scary, frankly, balance of, of what he can be. It doesn't even seem like they've scratched the surface on what they can do with him as a receiver aligned in the backfield. A lot of his most dangerous stuff is on on these runs. He used to be a killer um, on end arounds and these like you know reverse as as Croc said gadget plays. Now that they can just run like they could they could legit if they wanted to just run inside zone with Devo. Like that's that is wild. Um, Croc, I want to ask you about the defense though because this is a defense that they pressured the Cowboys into submission last week. And this was supposed to be a Cowboys offensive line that would be able to handle these four man pressures. And it's Dak Prescott, who's able to process quickly pre and post snap. And they beguiled Dak with, with the coverage. No one seemed to be open and they were getting pressure with four, even in the second half when Nick Bosa was not out there. So how, how did that happen? That this group, you mentioned some of the names, it's not just the Eric Armstead's and Nick Bosa's of the world. That's getting this done. Yeah, you know, Arden Key. Uh, gosh, I can't even think of the, the the guy that came over from Houston, Texans, what his name is, number 92. Charles Menehu, yeah. Amenahu, sixth-round pick. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Amenahu and all these other guys, uh, Givens, you know, he's getting in there from the interior. DJ Jones, those guys are making plays consistently in the backfield. And, you know, they had to do that against the Dallas Cowboys. One weakness of Dak Prescott was, you know, when you just drop guys in the coverage, he kind of struggles with that. 
when you blitz him, he's one of the better quarterbacks in the league. So the 49ers said, you know what? We're not going to blitz him a whole lot. We have to get there with four, and we have to figure it out. And, you know, down the stretch, the 49ers pass rush has been terrific, and it continued against the Dallas Cowboys. I think one thing that kind of caught me off guard a little bit was just how much success some of these guys had. You know, we talked about Aminahu, and, I mean, there's several clips of him bullying Tyron Smith. And that's not something that I think anyone anticipated, including Dak Prescott, who was constantly under duress for most of that game. So uh, the front did a really good job. Obviously, this the back end were able to play off of that well. Brian, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, less than 100% last week, started off the game pretty well, then apparently got a, a sprained shoulder. It, it is very difficult to pinpoint exactly when that happened, but the moral of the story is it hurts. He was asked, uh, which which is a bigger problem for him, and he answered yes, which, which is you know just great. Uh, and but but not great from a football sense, especially because we're looking at uh, temperatures in the teens. How much do you think this is going to affect the way Kyle Shanahan calls this game? Because we know he's not afraid to just say, "Jimmy, just hand the ball off." I would not be shocked at all if they went as run heavy as they did in the the playoffs a couple of years ago against the Packers and uh, and I, the Vikings I, I, that same season and the Vikings right and um, I think an injured Jimmy Garoppolo is part of it I think just a, a Jimmy Garoppolo that and saw it last week was it the hurt shoulder or is it just classic Jimmy and we've talked about that a lot on the podcast Croc's not a believer that the injury is affecting him at all because. It's the same old Jimmy. He's going to throw one to the other team. It's, it's what happens. So you can avoid him throwing one to the other team if you just run the heck out of the ball. And if you're having success doing it, which the 49ers uh, will hope to, and I think they can have some success on the ground against the Packers. And, and in some cases, the, the the Packers should probably dare the 49ers to throw it as much as possible. So I think that's the chess match we're going to see. Um, Jimmy's a tough guy. I think that's something that the 49ers love his team, teammates love him for it. The coaching staff and front office love him because he's able to play through these injuries. Will it hamper him? I have no idea. It'll probably, even if it does end up looking like the same old Jimmy and, and he was able to, to still get the ball out in the short to intermediate zone, which is where he lives. So I think the 49ers will be okay. As far as the injury stuff goes with Jimmy Garoppolo. If it's going to be the same old Jimmy, I, I think both both sides are going to be happy to it to, to different degrees with with what that means. A lot more on the game inside the game as we continue here on our Locked On crossover edition. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers and Locked On 49ers your first listen of the day. I'm sure there's a couple Packer fans listening to Locked On 49ers, hopefully the other way around. We'll have a lot more in just a second. You know, guys, people think unusual circumstances mean complicated taxes, but for TurboTax Live experts, that's what makes things interesting. Maybe you inherited a condo and are renting it out, or uh, maybe you're getting paid in crypto and aren't sure how it's taxed. We don't get paid in crypto here on the Locked On Podcast Network, but for example, let's say you have the most... Uh, the most popular NFL podcast on the network like Locked On 49ers this week, and you need to figure out how uh, the taxes are going to work for that particular podcast or maybe the most popular podcast for the year like Locked On Packers. A couple of powerhouses here, by the way. Uh, Unique taxes, that's where TurboTax Live can help. Luckily, TurboTax Live can match you with the right expert who has experience in your unique situation and can answer all your tax questions right from your phone or computer. They can even take care of the whole filing process for you. So no matter what it is, if you launched your own startup, working multiple jobs, multiple incomes, an experienced TurboTax Live expert can help. So visit TurboTax.com to learn more. You do your thing. 
They've got your taxes into it. Turbo Tax Live. Peter, we've talked a lot about how the 49ers are different from week three until now. And, and really, I think you can throw out week three because both of these teams are so different. The, the biggest thing for me is, is who are the Packers getting back? Because Bakhtiari already came back and played in week 18, right? Um, Aaron Rodgers' toe. An extra week for that to rest. You know, Aaron Rodgers' toes. Anything with Aaron Rodgers is a big a news story yep. this year. The Tobin saga. Right. Uh, but then there's uh, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith. I mean, uh, who are the Packers getting back here? Because those are massive names. Yeah. It, so Josh Myers is a, is a quiet one that they got back as well. And I'll, I'll get to the bigger names because obviously those are, those are a, a big deal here. But getting Josh Myers back, he, before he got hurt, um, was a, a top 10 center in pass block win rate, according to ESPN. He is a big, big dude. You know, we're talking about 6'4", 6'5", 325. He is a people mover on the interior. And when he's out there, it's just a different look than when Lucas Patrick is out there. Now you get Josh Myers back. They've slid Lucas Patrick to right guard. Royce Newman, who is the rookie there, has really struggled with twists and stunts. Not the problem you want to have when you're playing the 49ers, who are as good as anyone in the business at gaming up these defensive linemen to get free. So that has solidified the interior in a way that, that we weren't sure they would be able to do. And then you bring back David Bakhtiari. Rodgers was just chilling against the Lions, and the Lions are the Lions. But he was feeling comfortable holding the ball. Matt LaFleur had admitted during the year that David Bakhtiari not being out there was affecting their usage of play action. They almost never went hard play action and had Rodgers fully turn his back to the defense because they just didn't know how the protection was going to hold up. In that week three game, it was Yash Nijman, their third string left tackle, who played decent ball against Nick Bosa, but they went a lot of empty. It was a lot of quick game. They had chip releases all over the field. They're not going to have to play that way in this game because they're going to feel much more confident about their front. The Packers are expected to get Randall Cobb back as well, which means they can go to some of these four receiver looks that they've gone to. First time the Packers have had a four receiver look on the field since like early, early Mike McCarthy, since like 2007, 2008, and maybe 2011, they had some of those, those big five packages. So that is a key difference. And then you, you're expecting to get Jair Alexander back. We don't know how much he's going to play. Hasn't played since week four. You're expecting to get, to get Sidarius Smith back. How long? We don't know he's going to be able to play. First game since week one. That's three all-pro caliber players that you're getting back. And I was talking to Mike Sando about this. Like We couldn't even think of a recent comparable example in like the last 25 years of a team that was the number one seed and then brings players of this caliber back just for the playoffs. It, we've never really seen it. So there's there's no roadmap to what to expect here. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about the receiving core. And we all know about Devontae Adams, a guy who had 18 targets in the first meeting this year and obviously play a big hand in the Packers being able to get down the field and beat the 49ers. When you look at this receiving core right now, you have guys, you talked to, you know, you talked about Cobb coming back, but I think the unsung heroes and who it might have to, you know, be to, to for the Packers to be able to come up with a win here, uh, Valdez Scantlin and Lazard. So mm -hmm. talk to us a little bit about those guys and maybe how they progress throughout this year, playing second and third fiddle to uh, Devontae Adams. So the, the really interesting thing about this Packers offense is they do not have that superlative second receiver talent. They don't have the Adam Thielen to the Justin Jefferson. They don't have the Chris Godwin to the Mike Evans. But what they have 
is three players who are incredibly complimentary to what Devontae Adams is and does. Because you can line up Devontae anywhere, right? Put him in the slot, put him out wide, he's going to win. Alan Lazard is someone that you can treat like a tight end. He can play H-back. They, they run tosses with him as the, as the lead blocker. He is excellent on receiver screens. They run that RPO with either a two-by-one or a three-by-one stack and throw to his side because he can eliminate a defender to that side plus as a possession receiver, and then they go against tendency as they did against the Rams in the in the postseason last year. Now it's play action. He's running a post in behind, and there's no one out there. Um, MBS is the deep threat, and he changes the geometry of their offense. When he's played this season, they score 30 points. That's it. When he plays, they score 30, except for the, the one game Aaron Rodgers was coming back off of COVID and didn't practice all week. Other than that, when he plays, they score 30. Now, he didn't practice on Thursday. We'll see... Um, or on Wednesday, excuse me, we'll see what his status is. Um, Thursday, Friday, he had a back in- injury against the, the Lions. I, we, we think they're just being cautious there. But And then you add in Randall Cobb, the slot guy. So if it's not Devontae Adams in the slot, it's Randall Cobb in the slot. And the Matt LaFleur offense, much like the Kyle Shanahan offense, what you need is guys to play roles. You don't necessarily need that top-end talent. And we've seen Kyle Shanahan get the most out of guys that are not super talented, and then we've seen what it looks like when you have a Debo Samuel. It's the same with the Packers. You can get Devontae Adams to do anything. And then when you have these guys who fit very specific boxes, that and, and so many of them that fit different boxes, it makes your offense really, really multiple. We get a lot of questions on Locked On 49ers this week about uh, how do you stop Aaron Rodgers? How do you stop Devontae Adams? And our answer has kind of been, you don't stop them. They're going to get theirs. You got to try to fi- figure out how you can stop everything else. Do you think that's accurate? And, and how would you go about stopping the Packers offense? Yeah, I mean, there there hasn't been a good plan for it this year. I and mean, we haven't really seen it, um, even in the games that they've lost. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers starts, they've lost twice. And in in one of them, it was at the end of the game, they scored 31. They lost 31 to 34. And they didn't stop Aaron Rodgers in Minnesota. And the week one game uh, is inexplicable. I don't, it's not that that New Orleans did anything novel. The Packers just played terribly. Um I, I think what you have to be able to do is pressure him and you have to be able to pressure with four, because if you bring extra bodies, he's going to dice you up. Now, what's interesting about what the 49ers have tried over the years is they have said, we don't fear Aaron Rodgers. We're going to play single high. We're going to bring the, we're going to bring the, the safety down in the box and we're going to focus on stopping the run because we think if we can do that, we can make you one dimensional and you can't block us and you're not gonna be able to get the ball down the field. And the Packers have said bet. And lately, it's these three-step transition goes, Devontae Adams on the outside. It, it, it is slot fades to Alan Lazard, and it's, it, but, but it's basically quick game. And they're still able to push the ball down the field, but taking advantage of the fact that there's this single high safety. So it becomes really difficult. The teams that have had the most success against Green Bay have played too high because the Packers have not been able to run the ball effectively enough this season to get teams out of those too high looks. The problem with that, though, is when teams do that, like the Rams did that, the Packers have answers now with the passing game, the short passing game, the RPOs, the receiver screens, um, the the underneath Devontae Adams, just like a six-yard stop route when the corner is, is eight yards off. All the stuff that Troy Aikman was begging the Cowboys to yeah. do with C.D. Lamb, the Packers do with Devontae Adams to get him the ball in space. And so that's what makes them so difficult to stop. Um you you have to be physical with the receivers to throw off the timing and you have to be disciplined because they're going to, they're going to uh, mess with, I almost said a different word, your, your eyes 
just like Kyle Shanahan, and they're going to show you looks off the look. Hey, we've been running this all year. Now watch this. And that's what that's what makes it so tough. There was one team that had some level of success, at least kind of slowing down Devontae Adams, and it was the Baltimore Ravens. What, what did mm. they do differently than anyone else has been able to do throughout this year? They put three guys on him. I mean, seriously, they, they had a package that they called Bulldog 17, and they had a guy jamming him and a safety over the top every play. And some plays, he was out there like a punt gunner where there was a, a slot corner shaded to his side and in the, they did it in the red zone and he scored on it anyway. They had two guys like it was a punt on him and he, he beat the guy across his face inside, cut back outside and is wide open for a touchdown. It, it, it just, unless you're going to dedicate that many bodies to it, good luck. But that's what the Ravens did. It was, it was, you, it is two all day. It's a safety to that side all day. We're pressing you. And we're going to have cloud coverage to your side. And we're gonna, just going to bet that you can't do enough on the opposite. And by the way, the Packers scored 30 in that game too. Looking at the 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 run defense numbers, the Packers are somewhere south of, of average against the run. And yeah. obviously south of the Mendoza line. That is, that is key. <laughs> if the Fortnite's going to win this game, they're going to run the ball well. So w- w- where is your mind at there? Um, how well do you think that is going to uh, go for the Packers? Can they stop the run enough? to get their offense back on the field because when it comes to stopping Aaron Rodgers, when it comes to stopping Devontae Adams, the best way is to have their butts firmly on the Green Bay sideline bench. Coincidentally, the funny thing about that is I have been saying for two, and this is like my third year now, of that the Packers offense is their best run defense. And the Chiefs in the Super Bowl couldn't stop the 49ers run game either. But Patrick Mahomes in the fourth quarter was en fuego and they scored enough that all of a sudden now the 49ers feel like they have to throw the ball. And so the, the issue in the NFC Championship game two years ago was not just that the run defense was historically terribly awful, and it was. It was that the offense couldn't do anything to make them feel like they needed to press a little bit more. I don't think Robert Sala and that defense really feared that 2019 Packers offense. That offense has changed a lot since then. And we saw it last year on a short week on, on a Thursday night. The Packers had all kinds of counters that that the 49ers were not ready for. And Devontae Adams made a couple of plays and Aaron Jones was all over the field. And it was a really fun game to be a Packer fan because it, it felt like getting the monkey off your back a little bit. Like, okay, this is how we know now how to attack this defense. I don't know if there is some skeleton key. I don't know if it's just Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams doing Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams things, but uh, the, the, to to be able to slow down the run game, I think you have to be able to score and and dare the 49ers to stick with the run game if it's 17-10, if it's 21-17 late in the game. Are you going to keep running the ball or are you going to feel like you need to throw with Jimmy G? I think that's the way that the Packers play their best run defense. And also, this is just not a team that has lost games this year because they couldn't do anything in the run game. 2019 and even to a degree, 2020, that was the case where they would just have these meltdown games. I mean, Dalvin Cook, it just scored again in 2020. I mean, I think he had four or five touchdowns in that game. It, they they couldn't tackle him, and they, they, they weren't fitting the run. This is the second-best tackling team this year by PFF. In the two games, they most struggled to stop the run, Baltimore and Cleveland. It's uncommon opponents. It's kind of weird schemes in the case of Baltimore. And they, they didn't tackle well. So they have to be able to tackle well in this game as well. All right, a lot more to come on our crossover edition. 
Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting New Year as we continue to march through the playoffs and beyond. Maybe for one of these teams beyond into the Super Bowl. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New Year, new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code locked on to get started. That's right. They'll just give you money. A sports book just giving you money. Amazing. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, guys, this is it. Moment of truth. Before we get to full-on previews, Croc, let's start with you. What is the what is the one thing? If you're the 49ers, you go, okay, if they do this thing, the 49ers win. Don't turn the ball over. I mean, that, that's really been the recipe. If, if you look at games the 49ers lost in even the Packers game, turned right? That twice. came down to a last, a last second field goal. I don't believe the Packers turned the ball over one time, but it was the 49ers mm-hmm. gifting uh, the Packers good field position multiple times in that game. You can't do that against this team, like you said, that scores a lot of points consistently. It has Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and all those guys. And even with that, they were able to be up with 37 seconds left and no timeout. So I look at it. And really, that's kind of been our recipe for most of this year. If the 49ers can find out or figure out a way to not shoot themselves in the foot, what they have done in a lot of games, and they tried to do it against Dallas as well. <laughs> if they can, if they can limit that, then I believe that that like the 49ers top to bottom are extremely talented. And they play so well on both sides of the ball. Their DVOA, I mean, they're like top five in both offense and defense. Like they 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 play well. Once they start turning the ball over, things get a little weird. So they take care of the ball, 49ers win. Brian, what do we got? Yeah, I, I, I knew Croc was going to say that. And there's all the stats about, you know, when, when Jimmy G doesn't throw an interception, the 49ers are undefeated. Um, don't throw the ball to the other team is, is so key. And I think game script is such a big part of that. So running the ball well, not making the Packers one dimensional while the 49ers are not one dimensional, I think is so important. So Jimmy doesn't have to chuck the ball up, you know, and, and have uh, Darnell Savage come across the field and pick him off uh, and make some amazing play, you know? So that's, that's where the 49ers need to get. They need to have the scoreboard in their favor and it all starts with running the ball. And the 49ers have the ability to do exactly what they need to, to win this game. And uh, but they, they've got to play a cleaner game than they did last week and an even cleaner game than they did the week before. And those two huge games against the Rams, against the Cowboys, this one's going to be even more difficult for that team. So they can't make those types of mistakes. You know, special teams can come into play here, too, along with turnovers. And if I'm not mistaken, looking at DVOA, the 49ers have not been good on special teams. But I think the Packers are even worse. Are the Packers last dead last in DVOA special teams? <laughs> Dead last. 49ers 27th. Packers 30 30 32nd. I don't I don't I don't know about special teams. Um it's been really bad. Um if the Packers start fast, I think they win this game because I, you know they they and and look, the 49ers came back 17 down against Green Bay the first time. They came back from 17 down against the Rams what, 2 weeks ago, 3 weeks ago, whenever that was. We know that they can they can score in bunches, but I just find it hard to believe that if Green Bay, you know, if it's halftime and it's twenty one ten, and it's five degrees, how is how is how is that going to play with San Francisco? Now, look, this is a really good team, a really tough team. I don't I don't expect the Packers to be up two scores for like long stretches of this game, 
But if you go back and look at the the last two divisional rounds, that's exactly what has happened. The Packers had a two-score lead against the Rams last year. They had a a three-score lead against the um, Seattle Seahawks at halftime of uh, the divisional round two years ago. So they have historically in these games, under Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, come out playing well. That means on both sides of the ball, 13 total points allowed in the last two divisional rounds for this defense, even in seasons where the defense last year even was not as good as it was this year. So... um, I think starting fast is the key for Green Bay. And I think the Packers are going to win this game. I I have not landed on a score yet, but I think the Packers win. I also do think that six is probably going to be a little rich for me on the on the uh, gambling lines. It's it's I've seen it at five and a half or six. Uh, most places it was five and a half last time I checked at Bet Online. Six is definitely too much. I got it at four and a half somewhere else and feel much better about that than I do about six. Croc, what about you? Well, I, first, I want to ask you, you talked about starting fast and we've talked about a lot about the offense. Do you think that the weather could potentially, you know, slow the Packers down a little bit with some of the things that they want to do? And if that happens, does that play into the 49ers hands with the style that they play? It It isn't a concern for me because Rodgers has so much success recently in these cold weather games that it hasn't bothered them. Um, and, and in the elements, even they, they throw the ball around I me, mean, look, go back to the, the Titans game last year in, in December, the snow game put up 40 in that game. Hmm. Um, it, it just, for whatever reason, and they were, look, it was, it was a, a feels like single digit number on Wednesday at practice. They're practicing outside. Like they are preparing for this. And so I don't, I don't see it being a huge problem for them. Um, if anything, it means more AJ Dillon, which is, you know, Fred Warner, bring your pads, my guy. As far as how I feel about the, you know this game and the final score, you know I I have a lot of faith in the 49ers if they don't turn the ball over. Uh, just with they, they're extremely well coached, really yeah. on both sides of the ball. And uh, they've gotten by with the secondary that has been you know fairly regular, and they've gotten better as some of the rookies, and they've gotten Mosley back, and obviously like they have two uh, good safeties, and you know all the linebackers are back. The D line, as long as Bosa is there, I, I just. I look at this game and I and I say I, I like the 49ers because I, I believe the 49ers can make it a game where they where they force the Packers to play their style of football. And if that's if that's the case, I have the 49ers 27-24. I think the weather could be a, a factor in keeping the score down in this game. Although Peter, you did mention that the the Packers can still put up numbers, but I, I think it just especially if there's snow on the ground. I don't know what the the forecast looks like. I think I saw 50% chance of snow. Um, that so, cold, you're probably not going to get a lot of snow, but yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and this, if there does snow, maybe it, it raises the temperature a little bit, I think, which would be better for the 49ers, to be honest with you. I think six points is too much. I think it's going to be a close game, but the Packers are favored for a reason. I think they're going to be ready for the cold more than the 49ers are, but the 49ers should be able to play their brand of football in this game. And that's, what's going to be fascinating is, um, is, you know, who makes the big play? Where? How does the oblong ball bounce funny? And who does it bounce to? And I think that's what's going to turn out to be the deciding factor in this game. Both teams are in much better spots than they were earlier on in the season, in week three when they played. But it definitely skews in the Packers' favor because of the rest that they've had. And 49ers coming on a short week after a long season. You know, their quarterback. Is this five road games and eight games? Something like that? 
I believe so. Yeah. And they, they're, they're most important players. Their two best defensive players and their quarterback are banged up coming into the week. And it's a short week with one less day to get ready. And the Packers have a long week and get to play at home. So the 49ers short week also travel. So uh, those things really, really are in the Packers favor. So uh, if I was predicting a straight up winner, I would have to pick the Packers by three points, but that means uh, I'm taking those six points on the Vegas lines for, uh, for the 49ers in this one. So everyone picking the 49ers to cover, but two people picking the Packers to win. I think, I think that makes sense for a game between, between uh, two rivals. That, that's what this is. I'm, I'm pumped that the nineties uh, Packers 49ers rivalry is back. Let's go. And, and let's have a lot of fun this weekend, guys. This was great. Peter, one more question before we go. Is this a perfect swan song for Aaron Rodgers to go beat the 49ers who are your childhood team that passed and then go beat the Buccaneers and then go beat another Hall of Famer and Tom Brady and the yeah. Bucks and go win a Super Bowl? Does he just walk off at that point? It's as storybook as as it could be. And I do there's a non-zero chance. I think there's like a 20% chance that if they win the Super Bowl, he is he's I'm done. I think there's a chance at that. Now they'd have to work out some money things. He would be leaving the Packers with a major hole. And maybe that's just a final, like, hey, this was great, but you know we know that there was some tension there in the off season to just be like, okay, we won the super bowl. Now see how it can see how it goes when I'm not there. Um, that's, that's a, there's that's in play, but no, I think, I think you're right. I think it could be the perfect chance for him to just say, I've, I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to win more super bowls than Brett Favre. I wanted to win as many as Peyton Manning. I'm probably not going to get to six or seven like Tom Brady. So this is, this is it. And then Jordan love, this is your team. Now I, I, I don't think that's out of the question by any means. Uh, but most people around Packerland do not want that to happen for sure. I'm sure 49ers fans would love for that to happen. Um, but minus though, they, I'm sure they'd much rather win. I'm sure you'd trade the win for Rogers playing one more year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That, and, and maybe even, maybe even, uh, you know, knock him into the AFC. That, that'd be <laughs> right. Go play for the Broncos. Go play for the Steelers. Please stop right. bothering us in green Bay. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I understand that, that idea. Uh, we're going to be a great game. We'll be back on our feeds on Monday um, to, to break this all down. Um, and I, I believe you'll probably talk to both of us if you are listeners long time or, or short time on our feeds on Friday as well. Mike Rowe here with a few thoughts on my favorite sweatshirt, a classic zip up hoodie that used to be navy blue, but has since faded to what the fashionistas call a distressed indigo. It's 13 years old, soft as a flannel bathrobe, and after a few hundred dirty jobs, demonstrably and undeniably indestructible. This is the kind of sweatshirt girlfriends like to permanently borrow. But I've held on to this one because I got it from American Giant. American Giant makes all their stuff right here in the USA so they can control every link in their own supply chain. That matters because when you buy American Giant, you not only get great quality, you create jobs for people in factory towns all over the country. No pressure, but... If you give a damn about the business of making things in America, you got to support the companies who are doing it right. Go to American-Giant.com slash Mike to get 20% off your first order. That's American-Giant.com slash Mike.